we'd like to welcome in our guest for this show that I absolutely host and did not run in on. You guys, do you guys want to introduce him? It's your job. And Joel has a proper introduction lined up, I assume, and then Sean just brings him. I on wouldn't this count way. on that. That's what happens. Uh, no, he's the host of Fighting Words on Sporting News. He's the co-host of the Corner Podcast, and of course, Fight Nation on Sirius XM. He is a wonderful, wonderful talker of sports and we have to have him here to talk about aw double or nothing in las vegas andreas hale is here hi how are you good to see you wait that was an introduction uh thanks sean hi thank you for sticking around you, you leaving just, me now i only stuck around to stay say hi to you i'm not in town this that's, week that's but nonsense. uh unfortunately yeah I, I was about vegas out man like i've it, it's either. a young man's game out there i know and when i, I live here I and i'm over young. Oh well, you gosh. enjoy being at home and not being in Vegas for double or nothing this weekend because uh, beautiful Lexington, be Kentucky, where <laughs> hotel rooms are not five hundred dollars this week. This is, <laughs> I see people tweeting Tony Khan. They're like, "You wonder why tickets aren't moving? We can't afford it. The flights so you, are you insane." Before I could even say it, this is problematic. When I saw they were what? doing Memorial Day weekend, I was like, "Have you guys thought about you know?" announcing this card in advance so people can save their money that's the yeah. challenge flights and rooms are insane it's memorial day weekend the pools are open parties are going on there's all kinds of stuff going on here the golden knights are in the playoffs wnba starting They'll, nobody's trying to spend 600 for a hotel room for one night to go to double or nothing especially if you're trying to do dynamite and double or nothing it means you gotta be out for a week people can't afford that and, and to a smaller scale, that happens in Chicago with Labor Day because Chicago is a travel hub through Labor Day weekend. It happens all the time. And I understand Tony Khan does not have to worry about money or anything like that, but his audience does. And that's that's like the biggest thing that I look at. And I'm like, just do it a week later or a week sooner. Uh, right. I mean, doing all in when they're doing it, I think that's a smart idea. I think all out should probably be that weekend and maybe switch it up a little bit because I'm, I'm not going back to Vegas for a while. We got Nashville. It's Southern Vegas. Like we, we don't need, we don't need regular Vegas. <laughs> we don't need All that. Right. If we, you say so. We don't so. need, we don't need <laughs> actual things. We've got Nashville. It's called well, Nash Vegas. I mean, some people it call is. it that. Yeah. When you're driving down there from Kentucky, like you'll pass like four or five bachelorette parties on the road as it happens. Like it's, it's, yeah, but it is it is like Southern Vegas now, but then where like Impact has their shows, it's completely out of downtown and everything like that. It's isolated from the rest of the, the city and all that. But yeah, it's a good time. But Andreas, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you, too. It would have been nice to see you in the flesh, but we got to tell Tony, stop doing Memorial Day weekend cars because <laughs> we got to true wrestling fans can't pay for this shit. It's absurd. <laughs> I know I'll probably be it all in and all out. I'll see you guys later. Bye, Sean. Thank you for your egg egg cameo there. Andreas, thank you for joining us. Uh, that <laughs> was not me. how <laughs> our show's been off the rails today. Uh, that was not our typical intro, but thank you for joining us. Let's let's jump in and start kind of right there. The gates and the attendance for this one, a little down from last year where Hangman Page threatened the first million dollar gate uh, in AW history, but it still happened. They run Memorial Day weekend every single year. You mentioned a couple of things. The Vegas Knights are in the play. The Golden Knights are in the playoffs. Um, the, the WNBA is starting. The ticket prices card. What do you think the the factor is 
in all of this because I can't chalk it up fully to Memorial Day when this has become a yearly staple for AEW. No, it's the lateness of announcing this full card. The fact that nobody knew who was going to be on this card in advance so they could go, I want to go to this because it's not novelty anymore. We know Double or Nothing is coming. And then you can say, I'll see it next year. Obviously, last year, we didn't have a Double or Nothing in Vegas the prior year. So it was like everybody was coming back. Pandemic was over. Everybody was excited. Now, this year, you look at it, everybody's even more excited just to come to Vegas. But if you don't have a card announced and your main event is a little shaky, if we want to be honest, and you've announced FTR versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, that's not getting people to jump out of their seats to come to the show. It's not getting people to travel halfway across the country. Not to mention, like I said, I don't know how they booked this, but with Dynamite Rampage being tonight in Las Vegas, and then you have this five-day gap with nothing going on. Yes, you have the Fan Fest on Saturday. But if you're a fan and you wanted to do all of those things and make it like a, a weekly thing, like you want to stay out here for a whole week, you can't really do it. Because what are you going to do for the other four days? So all those things factored in are the reasons why I believe that ticket sales are down. Um, because, again, last year when we had Double or Nothing in Vegas, we had the card announced a little bit earlier, and we knew what the main event was, and it was a very hyped main event. This one doesn't have a lot of momentum. And we, we I know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it feels like it's the Darby and MJF show and Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara just kind of there. Yeah, just kind of piggyback on your point. Originally, Rampage was going to be a live show, and then there was a whole snafu with the venue, and things got changed up. So you're right. It does create a huge gap. FanFest can only give you so many people to, to stick around and want to be there from Wednesday all the way through Sunday on a very expensive weekend. Uh, talking about the card, I, I guess I'll just ask you straight up, you know, what's missing from the show, but also what's massive for this show? Oh, man, what's missing from the show? What's missing from the show is it being announced early. But more importantly, what's missing is a lot of the payoffs that we anticipated. We haven't heard anything about Swerve and Keith Lee, which feels like it's been going on for an eternity. House of Black feels like they should have a better feud. Anarchy in the Arena feels like it should have been announced a while ago because you knew it was coming. You know, you could have kind of played around with it, at least made the announcement. That feels big. And it, like, that was the most fun I've had at a wrestling show. And I've been to a ton of them. When I was at Anarchy in the Arena last year, I was thrilled. The, you know, everything was in the crowd, wild things playing through the arena. So I'm excited about this Anarchy in the Arena. But it feels like it's missing good storytelling to get to the show. As, as a wrestling fan who's like just was coming off this phenomenal bloodline story heading, heading into WrestleMania, it almost didn't matter. Of course, we want to see great matches, and that's what Tony Khan does. He gives us great matches. We don't have great connective tissue with the stories. None of these stories are truly exciting us. I mean, the biggest story is the Pillars story. At least that's supposed to be. It's the AEW world title out there. It's the Pillars. They've been dubbed this. They were there from the start. What, in your mind, is missing from this pillar story, because I think you share the sentiment of a lot of fans, uh, certainly myself included. There's definitely something that ain't connecting the way I'm sure AEW hoped it was going to connect with the audience. Yeah, I think when they booked this, they was like, you know, what would be great. The four pillars, the, the foundation. But do you know how much the pillars have changed over the past couple of years? You guys, guys like Ricky Starks coming in who felt like he was a major player. And we'll talk about consistency with booking as well. It gets very strange on how consistently they'll book an act and then they'll just kind of fall to the background. But these four don't feel like the pillars that they were originally. And it feels like MJ <clears throat> excuse me, MJF kind of cannibalizes everything. <clears throat> More importantly, uh, Jungle Boy getting kind of beat up by Roosh last week doesn't help give him momentum. Samuel Guevara doesn't really have a character. 
He's a guy who does amazing moves, but he doesn't have anything, any stickiness to the other three. And uh, again, it feels like Darby is really carrying this event, but it doesn't feel big. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like what they imagined it would be because I mean, you can't tell me right now that these are the four pillars of AEW. If you saw somebody that just started watching last year and you said, this is the foundation of AEW, it would have been like, nah, I can see MJF, maybe Darby, but the other two, I can't see that. There's a, a looming question over AEW right now. And that's the CM Punk side of things. Uh, do you think that the uh, the announcement of the first Collision show, if it ends up being Chicago and people start talking about CM Punk again, do you think that lends more tickets or more eyes on Double or Nothing? Or are people just looking past Double or Nothing and saying, when's my CM Punk coming back? Yeah, they might be doing that. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great if he, you know, if we got a surprise. I like surprises in pro wrestling. I don't like to know shit. I like to walk into things and feeling like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Surprise me. When Moxley arrived at the first double of nothing, uh, everybody was surprised and thrilled and it gave you momentum heading into those other shows. If they announced that this Chicago show is collision, everybody's going to be looking for CM Punk and they will look right past the show. Because again, double and nothing just doesn't feel big this year. And we all can agree when the bell rings, the action is going to be phenomenal. We know these matches are going to be great, but it just doesn't feel Big. It felt like a lot of attention has been paid attention to CM Punk coming back, his pending return, more so than building out a world for this card to exist where, again, it's enticing on a number of levels. House of Black is one of the best presentations that we have in pro wrestling right now. And why don't we have any momentum with a true feud with them? It doesn't feel like there's, any, again, no stickiness to it. Nothing that I'm looking forward to. FTR and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Look, I love Jeff, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, but ain't nobody asked for that. Nobody on the planet asked for that match. And it might be great, but we know there's so many, like even the tag division is not what it once was. So I feel like if you announce collisions in Chicago, everybody has, has that expectation. It takes another element of potential surprise away from Double or Nothing. If CM Punk doesn't show up at, at Double or Nothing, let's say all the action is great, the matches deliver, but there's no CM Punk. Is the show a disappointment just off of that? No. No, uh, personally, I'm not expecting CM Punk to arrive. Uh, I think we've all gotten into our heads, especially those who watch AEW regularly. We know the action is going to be good. So as long as the wrestling is good and it's not like a six hour marathon, I think we're going to be okay. Um, But the letdown has already happened in terms of building to the car. That's the only issue that I've had with this. That's the issue that will come out of this. We're going to, we hope that there's going to be some kind of reset with collision happening on Saturday. I don't know what rampage is about to become. Is it going to be there like their main event? Is it gonna, I don't know what it is anymore, but falling out of that, it feels like we can fall into a new era of AEW. but regardless of what happens, the disappointment was building the card, unless the action is trash, which I don't anticipate. I think we'll be fine with the card and it doesn't need a CM Punk debut, a read debut. But if we had them, it'd be great. It'd be newsworthy. But I, I want to ask you guys this. Does it feel like CM Punk is almost eating the entire world of AEW? Like there's so much attention on him coming back that it's pre- maybe it's preventing other things to, from flourishing. Because a lot of talent, again, I talk about somebody like Ricky Starks or Powerhouse Hobbs who dropped the TNT title, which I never understood why they didn't do Warlow and Hobbs here rather than on TV. But it feels like all the attention on CM Punk is like sucking the air out of everything else they have going on. Do y'all agree? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think in some in some ways, yes. In other ways, I mean, Tony's just got to get get stuff to 
together a little bit better. I, Ricky Starks is a big one, big proponent of Ricky Starks. Swerve and Keith Lee, CM Punk has nothing to do of why this match has not been blown off in, in three months no. now. So there, some ways, yeah, I think the pillars, it does kind of overshadow some of that. But in other ways, just you just got to book, book things a little bit better and a little bit more uh, cohesive. Joel, you're about to say something. So just kind of piggybacking off of your point, Jeremy, the booker is the same person who's dealing with the situation at hand, and that's trying to bring back CM Punk. And as a result, if you are doing literally everything, it's the spinning plates analogy that I use here so many so, so many days of the week when we're doing this show. He can only spin the plates for so long until they start wobbling, and then he's got to go back and spin them again. This is These are plates that are currently about to fall when it comes to the booking of the show and getting people amped up for more than just the match itself get us into the storyline get us into the actual event uh i think andreas was great saying you know they haven't built a world in which this card exists i think it's a perfect way to put it and then the cm punk stuff just kind of exists as like this overarching you know this is the guy he is the guy but we have an entire card of people who are not him that should be absolutely focused on you. They Wednesdays shouldn't be about where CM Punk Wednesdays should be about what's going on for the next two hours with my AW world champion, my TNT champion, my TV, all the champions, all the stars of the show. That's where you should be focusing your time. And you're not getting that as cohesively as you would if you weren't so focused on getting your plus Delta back in the fold. I have a question about just Vegas in general, Andres. Is it a wrestling city a wrestling town because you've covered a lot of boxing you've covered a lot of mma and like it's the fight capital of the world according to dana white and everything but wrestling wise yes the first double or nothing did well it was the first AEW pay-per-view the last one did well coming out of two years missed with the pandemic like wwe tried to run allegiant last year and they had to go into i think mgm because it wasn't selling as well this one not selling as well is it like is it a wrestling town basically it can be. So let's talk about the uh, Elysian show. That was Money in the Bank that ended up at the MGM. Yeah. They went head-to-head with Dana White that night in the UFC. Yeah. You can't do that, right? Like, you need to pay attention to what you're booking. It's Vegas, but you, th- some people will think there's not a lot of crossover. But if, I, if I'm in Vegas and I have to choose an event to go to, not a fight, an event, and the UFC treats their big cards like events, I may choose that over going to a stadium show at Elysian with, for pro wrestling. So you have to kind of – Pick your dates and your locations wisely because you have to rely on the locals rather than people that are flying into town on a particular weekend. Because, again, something like Double uh, Nothing, as big as it is, there's too many people coming to Vegas this weekend. It's just way too many. So it's going to hurt the card overall. But it can be. Impact does great here when they do their shows over at Samstown, which is like way off the strip. Uh, When GCW comes through, they do great shows. FSW does great shows here. So it can be, you just can't compete up against big fights because it's the fight capital of the world. So you got to pick your spots wisely. Now, if I'm coming in for double or nothing, you're in Vegas. Where do I have to go to eat? Let's say I'm on a budget. I'm on a wrestling fan budget. Give me one place. Because maybe people are watching that are like, I'm coming to town. I got to know. Yeah, that's good, man. I'm, I'm a big brunch guy. Anybody who knows me and Kel Dansby from the Corner Podcast, we talk about brunch. So like everywhere I go, I look for a good brunch. I got a spot out here called Mimosas. And it's called Mimosas because the mimosas are like the size of your head. And they have a, multiple different flavors. The breakfast is fantastic. It's a great brunch. And it's not too expensive. Um, stay off the strip. I'll say that to anybody. <laughs> Just stay off the strip because everything's overpriced on the strip. Border Grill has a great brunch. It's a Mexican place out here. 
but it's it's way too expensive. So there are other spots that you could pick that are off of the strip. They are um, Lotus Asylum. There's a if you like Thai food. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a few Naked City Pizza. Oh, Naked City Pizza in Vegas. If you're looking for a good pizza, it's right off the strip. It is moi. It's delicious and it's cheap. It's fucking pizza. Like you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> but Vegas has great food. Just when you're here, just stay off of the strip because it, they will annihilate your pockets. Great advice. <laughs> We've talked about the pillars a little bit about uh, anarchy in the arena. What else from this card kind of kind of stands out to you? What else is there? I mean, we just announced Jade and Tyre, right? And yeah, like, we have Adam Cole, Chris Jericho. The one that I, like stands bro, out in a bad way to me. Go ahead. Uh, before you, I am so uninterested in Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. Like having Roderick Strong win. Why? <laughs> what? Chris Jericho. Okay. We have diminishing returns on Chris Jericho going over on Chris Jericho because he loses like all the time now. He lost to Ricky Starks, and for no reason, Ricky Starks was like, I want a rematch. Why? You already beat him. Then you beat him again. Diminishing returns. I get it. Adam Cole and Chris Jericho sounds good on a marquee, but in terms of what it does for Adam Cole, absolutely nothing. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I had to get that out there. But oh, here's the good. thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it around. It's an unsanctioned match. So when the (laughs) but this is why they're going to flip the story on its head in that Jericho typically doesn't really give anybody much after they're done with him. Right. That's been the story. Jericho is going to win this match. And then Adam Cole might actually go on and challenge for the AW World Championship because oh while God. he lost, it doesn't affect his win-loss record. So this is a very strange world that they've set up for this uh, this particular match and moving forward. Ugh. I had to put yeah. it out. Uh, thank we, you. We have a day. match that <laughs> we have a match <laughs> that I don't completely understand. This is one where I'm like, okay, where is Swerve and Keith Lee? Ethan Page and the Guns against the Hardy Party. Where if Hardy Party wins, Matt Hardy gets. Ethan Page's contract. I we had the firm deletion. Weren't they deleted? Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I'm I'm also disappointed that firm deletion was on Rampage, and it could have been like on the buy-in for this and give something for people to do as they're coming in late, or you know, it, coming in the really late. You're watching on the screen. You're buying merch. You can see it. The action's not in the ring, so it's totally okay. If I'm at home, it's a great way to go in. Final, like the deletion matches and Impact were a staple. Now it feels like an afterthought, and now you're getting this match. Again, nobody asked for this match, and nobody understands why it exists. You just mentioned Keith Lee. I, I keep going back to Keith Lee and Swerve. In November, it was also the last time the tag division felt really hot when all of them were involved. Now it's kind of like it's fizzled out, and we get this six-man tag that I don't even understand why it's happening. Even in terms of you look at the players in the match, can you tell me as great as AEW does when they put their matches together and the, the, how they play out, I'm looking at this match like, this is like a three and a half star at best. This can't be fantastic. What are we doing here? Not for a pay-per-view. That's dynamite stuff. We have Wardlow and Christian Cage in a ladder match. We just, Christian was buried the last time he competed, but now he's getting a title shot. Going from the depths of hell to the ascension (laughs) of heaven. Yeah, I know. What are we doing? What, like, what are we doing? Again, Hobbs beats Wardlow. You have Hobbs starts coming out in this great, fantastic low ride. I don't know why he's paired with QT Marshall. That shit doesn't make any sense in the world to me. He doesn't need QT. But he had this low ride. Of, I felt like, oh, this is great. They can use this as something over the next few weeks. They destroyed it in the same night. 
Then we go into the match the following week, and Wardlow goes over on Hobbs. And what is Hobbs doing now? Nothing. There would have been so much more juice in them having them having a ladder match at Double or Nothing or a rematch or building towards a feud. This Christian thing, again, he's great at ladder matches. He's a great talent. I'll never diminish Christian. He's a phenomenal worker, but I don't get it. Why? I'm, I know Luchasaurus is going to interfere, but I don't care. I just saw you get buried, bro. You don't get this opportunity. It doesn't make any sense. What happened to the rankings? I guess those don't matter oh, anymore, those right? Long gone. Those are long. <laughs> One August last year. Just, yeah. So they never mentioned it again. It was just like, all right, we're just going to act like this never happened. But now losers are getting opportunities at titles, which makes it even worse. Doesn't make any sense. Once they, they veered into the more sports entertainment uh, realm of things, they're like, oh, yeah, we got to get rankings out of here because the, the, the synergy ain't there with those two things. No. Uh, they veered into a blackjack battle royal for the AW International Championship. 21 man. So far, we know Orange Cassidy is the champion will be in there. Aaron Solo, Powerhouse Hobbs, as we just mentioned, QT Marshall, and 17 other people. Well, the big question is also, will Orange Cassidy walk in with that title to, after tonight? He has an AW International Championship match against Kyle Fletcher. Uh, or do we have a change at Double or Nothing? Is this a match that's of at all interesting to you? Like, what, what are you thinking about this one? I'm always interested in Orange Cassidy. He's the one character that's wildly unique. He's always entertaining. His matches are different. He does everything different from everybody else. Like, regardless of how you book Orange Orange Cassidy, the way he handles himself is magnetic. So, yeah, I think he beats Kyle Fletcher tonight. And I think he leaves the Battle Royal with a feud instead of losing the title. He needs a new feud. He needs a rival. He needs somebody that's going to poke at him for the next several weeks. He hasn't really had that. He just kind of gets one-offs. Hopefully, we build that through this Battle Royal. And I think it might be fun. Uh, some of the people in there, just like any other Battle Royal, you're like, I don't even know why you're in here. You're not going to win. QT Marshall. I say QT Marshall's name a lot because he's on my screen a lot, and I never can understand why. I think he's a tremendous agent. I think he's a great talent behind the scenes. But there's QTC. I don't need any of this shit. But the Battle Royal, I think, will be a fun match. Is there someone on your radar that you'd like to see? Orange Cassidy feud with coming out of this battle royal on uh, Sunday? Mm, that's a good question. I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know. How about Jay White? What are we doing with Jay White these days? I feel like I feel like they're kind of blowing off the star street, which again, I don't get. And I feel like Jay White's going to be in this battle royal because he has nothing else to do, which is weird for a big signing. So I feel like maybe we go into this and build Orange Cassidy versus Jay White over the next several weeks. Do you think the collision and ram or not rampage? Who knows what's going to happen that show? Collision and dynamite, like the the split on this. How do you think that plays out with, with AEW? If they stick to it, I think it could be really good. This company is grossly overwhelmed with talent, and if you have two two hour shows, I think you have more opportunity to spread the wealth rather than rampage feeling like an afterthought and dynamite you're trying to cram everything into dynamite which means a lot of things get missed what i do hope is that tony has help booking a second show and they find a way for it to be distinctly different in look and feel than dynamite when paul Heyman took over smackdown with the smackdown six it felt different it was the one time that the brand split actually worked because you felt like you were watching two different shows but if you start co-mingling the talent it dissolves really quick, and it just feels like another two hours of wrestling that I don't have time for. Bible Select did report that uh, Brian Danielson is part of the creative process surrounding Collision. So there is somebody there who might be uh, able to take Tony's ear and say, hey, 
let's move this in this direction or let's you know have a little bit of uh cohesive storytelling here on this show versus dynamite so you make a good point it's it's very true uh jeremy joel joel do you have any more wrestling questions because i'm not having andreas hill on and not talking a little bit of of rap and hip-hop here no go ahead So I found out you were the editor of Hip Hop DX when I basically yes. was checking that website every single day when I was in high school and college and, and things like that, because that's how I kind of kept up on the music. Um, for someone who has fallen out of love with hip hop and rap, and I just listened to largely classics that I grew up on, is there anyone out there I need to pay attention to of like, this is a guy, and I'll tell you some of my favorite Eminem fan, Dre, Snoop, people like that. I do like Kendrick, but like Jay Z, Ludacris, those are the people I grew up on and, and really yeah. enjoyed listening to and that still listen to to this day. Is there someone out there that, like, this is somebody you should listen to and pay attention to who is of that ilk? Man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, right now I'm listening to the Keitronada and Amine album, which is Keitronada, which if anybody's familiar with Keitronada is a Chicago producer. It's kind of like house hip hop, but it's dope. It's really dope. Um, that's a really good album to listen to. Jeremy, I feel you because there's way too much music right now and it's almost impossible to get through everything that releases each week. So we tend to revert back to what we know and listen to the classics. Like I tend to listen to Nas's Illmatic like once a week or Reasonable Doubt or, you know, uh, Good Kid, Mad City. So it's really difficult. In terms of like new rappers, it's hard, man. I feel like I'm the old washed up head where I'm like, I remember in my day, rappers made <laughs> sense. And, you know, I can understand what they were saying. And I feel like that guy now. Um, but, I, you know, everybody from Griselda, uh, Benny the Butcher, obviously, uh, West Side Gun, Conway the Machine. I think they're all great if you're looking for that aesthetic of grittier hip hop. Um but other than that, it's it's tough, man. I have to actually look into my phone and see what I'm listening to these days. I'm always a big fan of Freddie Gibbs, who had a, has had a bunch of great albums with Mad Lib, uh, with Alchemist. Uh, Currency's always doing some great stuff. But these are like the old staples of hip-hop. In terms of anybody new, eh, I can't really find anybody. Good luck. I'm just waiting for, you know, if Eminem puts out a new song, new album, Jay-Z basically doesn't put out any. Like Nas just put out something new. I'm just like, yeah, Please give me the people that I grew up listening to, even if it's yeah. you know, not as good as the, the classic stuff. I'm like, all right, at least I recognize this voice. And this is a person who has spoken to me in the past. Uh, a very generic question, but off of a, a Chris Rock film. Top five, Andreas. Top five rappers? Oh, yeah. my God. All right. Um, in no particular order, Nas, Jay-Z, uh, Pac, Biggie, Kendrick. Okay. A little chalk. I will, a little chalk there, but I'm not it's mad little, at it, you know. Now, now, I'm going to reverse this. My favorite <laughs> rappers of all time, because okay. they're, they're the GOAT. My favorite. Uh, Fonte from Little Brother. Uh, Royce the Five Nine. Hell Kendrick yeah. Lamar, uh, Jay-Z. And Nas is a tricky one to me, because... There's, there's three eras of Nas. There's early Nas, there's trash Nas that was in the middle, and there's Nas with Hip Boy, the resurgent Nas. That, the, the, those two, if you take away the middle part of Nas, he's in my top five. He's one of my favorites of all time. Um, but do will I put him in my top five? Yeah, I guess I will. I guess I will. Yeah. But I'm a big Royce of 5'9 fan. I've been a big Royce fan forever. I think he's incredible. He doesn't get his due. Fonte from Little Brothers, though. Well, big, big fan. I'm 100% with you 
on Royce as Eminem's my favorite rapper of all time. Uh, and obviously a lot of bad and evil stuff. Um, I've listened to just a lot of Royce off of that and then j- his solo projects as well. And I always, Royce is one of those guys I'll just constantly support and check out because due to the connection first with Eminem and then listening to his solo stuff. And yeah, I think a lot of like, you know, people who really listen to hip hop understand Royce and give him his due, but he never like blew mainstream type of way. And so people no. just don't give him any type of credit when it comes, comes to that. Like the Slaughterhouse albums are really good uh, as well. Some of the stuff is a little uh, Eminem tried to dominate some of that stuff too much. And I say that as an Eminem fan. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, it got it got tough for a minute with Slaughterhouse. It's just it was too many yeah. personalities in the room. I was actually I was working at BET when they formed, um, so I was there the day that they were telling people. And I Royce actually Royce's manager Kino used to live down the street from me when I lived in New Jersey. So I would hear like unreleased Royce stuff, and yeah, the stuff he did was would blow your mind. But never got his due, yeah. man. I don't think Royce ever got his due. Your favorite, your favorite rapper can find themselves vibing to Royce's Lost Sessions. All right, so yes. Indeed. There you go. Somebody, uh, somebody that's relatively new. Uh, not relatively new. I've really enjoyed Tyler the Creator's uh, recent albums. Like, um, I didn't like Tyler originally. I wasn't a big Odd Future guy because I felt like it was a little bit too crass for the sake of being crass and not clever enough. But these last two albums, I thought were phenomenal. So yeah, that's another one that's creeping up my my grace list because he makes phenomenal music. All right, last one, uh, Andreas. Um... Not not hip hop related, but we've been telling a lot of Vegas stories on the show okay. today. Joel Joel is a coward and didn't go get jumped uh, by people. Um, Sean has told some some Vegas stories. Do you have any just Vegas stories you can tell here on the air? Yeah, I mean I live here, so I got quite a few. <laughs> um, here's a here's a fun one. I actually wrote about this. Uh, I was on the strip the night that Tupac got shot and killed. I was. About I, I was in the MGM when the little brawl happened. So I was a kid, you know, and I, one of my friends drove and Mike Tyson would fight and we would we wouldn't watch the fight. We just drive to the MGM and just hang out in the lobby to see all the celebrities. And we saw a big commotion and, you know, somebody was like, that's Tupac. And I was like, I ain't no damn Tupac. And this is before, like, everybody had cell phones. This is before, like, camera phones. So, you know, you just take somebody's word for it. Uh, and we decided as a bunch of barely teenagers that we're going to go to Club 662, which was the Tupac Death Row Club. We were never getting into that shit. We just wanted to go because we wanted to see all the girls. And we drove and there were cops all over uh, Flamingo. And they told us, like, you can't go this way. You got to go home. So I decided I had to work. I worked at the grocery store at the time as a bag boy. So I was like, all right, fine. I'm, we just go home. We can't get to where we're going. I go to the grocery store. I get clock in at six in the morning. A pager goes off. This is how old I am. I have a fucking pager. A pager goes off. I go to the payphone. I say, my boy calls, and he's like, yo, did you hear? I was like, what happened? Tupac got shot. I was like, where? On Flamingo, where we were just at, bro. I was like, what? Yeah. So I was there the night that Pac got shot. I was in the vicinity of where the action had happened that night. And so I ended So in the Mob Museum out here in Las Vegas, I'm part of the exhibit. They have like a video exhibit talking about Tupac and his influence. So I'm part of that. Another thing, uh, kind of a Vegas story. I was in this youth group and uh, we were the Martin Luther King Youth Council. And Mike Tyson used to come to our meetings and bring us fried chicken when we were kids. It's <laughs> the weirdest shit ever. Rules. Yeah, yeah, did he bring he, his pigeons with him? I know Mike Tyson's no. a big pigeon person. <laughs> yeah, he, brought, he, he, he just he, 
Yeah, we get chicken made out of pigeons. That, that's why the pigeons were missing. I don't know where Mike got that chicken from. That's enough. Mike's going to kill us. Uh, but yeah, Mike Tyson used to pull up to our, our meetings and bring us fried chicken every week. And he would drive up in his Porsche. And it, like, it was in the hood. And I was like, what is Mike doing? He's got a Porsche in the hood. But it's Mike Tyson. He don't give a shit. Who's going to tell Mike to not drive a Porsche in the hood? But it was Mike Tyson. He used to come to our meetings. Oh, that rules. Andreas, thank you for, for joining us. Much appreciated. Let everyone know where they can find you at. Yeah, absolutely. So at Andreas Hale on all social media platforms, uh, you can check out my podcast with Kel Dansby called The Corner Podcast. We talk boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling out of Blue Wise Studios out here in uh, Las Vegas at the Win. Uh, over at The Sporting News, where I'm the senior combat sports writer. You can find all my written work and a show called Fighting Words, where we debate topics each week in boxing primarily boxing don't have enough mma writers might need some so if you're listening might need some mma writers and eventually pro wrestling too um and that's pretty much it oh the one other thing behind me our heels rock me uh biggie from the wwe and johnny davenport who if you look at everybody's dope gear johnny has made it our cartoon we did a kickstarter about two years ago we raised over one hundred forty thousand dollars. the pilot episode which features rhapsody as ruby bridges is right around the corner an announcement date is coming very very soon but we've been really working hard out that at our heroes rock on social media and i think that's everything uh yeah that's it that's it appreciate y'all thank you andreas much appreciated uh, enjoy this weekend stay safe out there have fun uh take it all in i mean you, you're in vegas all the time but hopefully it's a good show and you, you don't yeah. walk away disappointed i hope not i don't think i walk away disappointed just the build was disappointed but once i'm in it i'm in it and this anarchy in the arena can't go wrong with that Appreciate okay well one more question okay. now they can't play sure. maybe they can't play wild thing but like what song are they playing for anarchy and arena this time the you know it's gonna be something crazy <laughs> which sigil the young bucks theme just over and over again <laughs> super no. kick party <laughs> no. <laughs> yo they gotta have something crazy you know tony likes to go all out for these pay-per-views is to purchase a song just for this i dog, i don't know I don't know. I'm sure they'll play Wild Thing, but it's got to be something else. I, I mean, I wish it was back in the days like when New Jack was in ECW and Natural Born Killers would just play through uh, all of his matches. It was That was fucking nuts. Give me something like that. Not going to happen. But I don't know, man. We can't be playing Kansas in a fight. So I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, somebody <laughs> said, not sure somebody said welcome. Somebody said welcome to the jungle. I'm thinking maybe Queen. We will rock you. Like, no, that's expensive that. shit. <laughs> yeah, well. Tony's got money. Yeah. He's got a new he's Dragula if I, if I uh, rob zombie. <laughs> no, I mean Seven Nation Army would be dope. I don't know if they play that in the arena though. I don't. Also, I don't know, man. Seven. Yeah, no, but it, he got it right. Like shit, no, he got no. it. For... <laughs> That's the crazy thing. We'll, we'll I'll report back and let you know how the vibe was in the arena. If you guys want to have me back, I'd love to talk about how the, the feeling was for that match. Oh, you're welcome back anytime, Andreas. Again, I appreciate you you doing this. Uh, I've been following your work for a long time, longer than I even thought once I learned of the Hip Hop DX stuff. And uh, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Thank you. Take there care. You After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.